0: <laughs> All right. Uh, in your bulletins, it says that we're going to be studying today from Matthew, chapter 5. It's actually Mark, chapter 5. Um, same first two letters, so it's pretty close. Um, and, it, and this is a passage that, uh oh, I, I love this passage of Scripture. I, it, it's, a, it's a part of a four-part piece where, you know, Jesus calms the storm. You know, the disciples cry out to Jesus, don't you care that we're drowning, and they have Jesus in the boat, you know, and they wake him up and he, and he calms the storm with just his voice, and, and it says that the disciples were afraid. They were afraid of the storm, but now they truly understand fear because the storm was calmed by the voice of the master. And then this piece that we're going to look at today about the, the uh, man possessed by a legion of demons, we'll talk more in depth about that, but the, the, after that they go across the lake again, and... They they are confronted by a huge crowd of people, a huge crowd of people. All of them want, that want to press in on Jesus. And Jairus, the temple ruler, has come because his daughter is really ill, and they've told her that, told him that she's likely to die. And he's come out of his literally his last hope. Maybe Jesus can heal his daughter. But the crowds are pressing in so much that it's hard to get Jesus to move fast enough. You know, because he's so anxious. Imagine your own self in a situation like that, and you want help to come quick, but there's so many crowds. And so, and this lady who had had an issue of blood, she'd been sick, she'd spent all of her money, and she thought, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll get well. And that's what she did. But then she was afraid, because she was afraid that she'd stolen the healing. But Jesus stopped, and he said, she said, he said who touched me? Of course, his disciples said, well everybody <laughs> has touched you? You know, how, how can we pick out one, you know? But he did, and he found her, and she, she came and admitted what had happened, and he said, it's because of your faith. And wow, but and Jairus says, come on, come on. But then these professional mourners start to come, and the, the people that had been gathered around in the family home, and they come, and they say, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's died. And this powerful, I think if I was going to, <laughs> this gets me. If I was going to get a tattoo, this is what I'd get. It's what Jesus said. He looked the man in the eye, took him by the hand. He said, "Don't fear anymore. Just believe. Just believe." And he raised his daughter from the dead. But we come back to this this little piece because I want you guys to to know. We can go on the surface and we can hear those things and we can say, wow, what an amazing thing that Jesus did. But you know, he didn't come to heal everybody. He didn't heal everybody he encountered who was sick. He didn't give sight to every blind person that there was in in Judea. He didn't raise every dead person. That would have been a really big problem. He didn't do that. That's not what he is called for. That's not what he came to do. He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly, that he might save us out of this crooked and and depraved world in which we live. So let me explain some things as we get into this passage. First of all, there are devils. There are devils. They do exist. Satan is real. But he's a created being. He's not the opposite of God. He is a creation And as a creation, he only has that authority that is provided as a creation of God's. He made a choice. They made a choice. They rebelled, and they were cast out. But in nature, they're just angels, created beings, just like the other angels who did not rebel. There's nothing more powerful than that. I don't mean that there's nothing more powerful than that. I mean, they are nothing more than that, is what I'm trying to say. They are powerful, both angels and demons, but they are still just a created thing. So first and foremost, remember that. Secondly, the devils, the demons, they are always evil. They're always evil. They, They have chosen evil over good. And they are always that. God, as the song so clearly proclaimed, God is always good. He is the very essence of good. There is no good apart from God. God is good. We can rest on that. We can be assured of that. There is no other way to see things. God is good, always. Then we come to man. And in the garden, man disobeyed, Ate the one fruit that was disallowed. And so then it says in Scripture that we gained the knowledge of good and evil. And, and the knowledge, that word knowledge, is a kind of a difficult... The word they are trying to translate and they use the word knowledge for or the wisdom of or they, they've used other words in different translations. It's a tough word to describe in one word and translate, in other words. And that word, really what it means is, is that man gained the ability to decide for himself what man believes to be good and evil. Does that make sense? So what we did is we lost our innocence in the goodness, and we gained this things where we're going to go through life deciding what's good and evil for ourselves. And therefore, man stands between always good God and always bad demons and lives in this place where we're constantly trying to decide for ourselves what is good and what is evil. Right? Let me give you some examples of that. Have you ever been in a place where you knew what you should do and you did something else? Have you ever been in a place where you knew what you might do would would be bad, but you didn't do it? That's what I'm talking about. That's the place I'm talking about. We, We stand in this place where we're constantly trying to come to an understanding of what is good and what is evil. We're constantly deciding these things. Paul wrote about it. He says, "I in Romans, he said, you know, I, I'm a worm. I'm not a man. The very things I wish to do are the things I don't. And the things that I wish to do, I, I don't do them. Uh, who can help us? Of course, if you read the next verse, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's Romans. So, so we... We are conflicted. We can say that when we sow in weeping, we'll reap in joy. If we're weeping, encourage us to continue to sow. I mean, if you heard those key words in those songs, you know, in Christ alone, in Christ alone, I want to be his feet. I want to be his hand. The breath in my lungs is yours, O God. And so we are these people who look out on the earth. And so let me explain then that there is black and white, there is evil and there is good. But we stand in a place where we are neither those things. Righteous men do unrighteous things, right? And unrighteous people occasionally do righteous things there's good and bad people and there's bad and good people. It's the nature of man because we chose to disobey and then therefore have the knowledge of good and evil. And so we need a savior. And so this passage then talks about, I, I, I guess I'd say it a different way, Christ used this situation to explain that to us in a way that cannot be denied. After this storm had been calmed, they got to the other side of the sea, to the country of uh, and Jesus, And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Uh, that's uh, kind of an important thing to just cue in on right there. Normally, unclean spirits would not want to have anything to do with the Lord of the universe. They would most likely want to hide. Yet, this man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs. I would say that because man stands in that middle place, so filled with an unclean spirit, that the man came out of the tombs to meet Jesus, despite the filling of the unclean spirit. And he said that no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, Now, again, here's a word that's difficult to translate, but not that bad. It's a Greek word. It means means worship. Worship. It says he fell down before Jesus. He worshiped Jesus. Okay. Satan does not worship Jesus, and the demons do not worship him either. So the man came. Wow. A man greatly acquainted with evil. Living and breathing in evil. And yet he came at the sight of the Savior. No one could subdue him. He was naked and covered in chains that were broken, crying out at night because of his depravity, alone, cutting himself with sharp stones. But have you ever have you ever seen a, a politician or somebody that's been confronted? I, I love sixty minutes for these, you know, where they gotcha. You know, the guy's sitting there and they say. Isn't it true that da 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 da, And the guy says, no, that's not true. This is the truth. I'm telling you the truth now. You know, his body language is saying, I'm going to lie through my teeth, but I'm going to tell you, but he's telling you that he's telling you the truth. I think that something like that takes place here. The man's body is in a position of worship. He's fallen down before Jesus, but here's the words that he cries out. It says, crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you do, to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Wow. He's, he's worshipful. He recognizes and even identifies who Christ is. And yet he's wanting him to have nothing to do with him except that he came and fell at his feet. I mean, can you see the, the dichotomy, the dichotomy, the, the conflict that's going on right in this own man's life, right at this moment, the demons are crying out, don't torment me. But the man is saying, help me. Both is going on. And it says, now Mark is having a tough time describing this because first of all, Mark wasn't there. And so this was told to him most likely by Peter. Uh, Mark wrote mostly from the memory of Peter. Peter um and so he's describing what peter tried to explain and so I, the way that it's written you kind of get a sense that mark is trying to set up all the things that are happening at once but writing it in a you know you know what i'm trying to say so he says that when jesus got out of the boat jesus recognized that this is a demon possessed man and this man does all these things but at the same time jesus is saying come out of him you God and clean spirit and so that's already been taking place Come out of him, you unclean spirit. And and the man is saying all this stuff. Don't torment me. Don't make me do this stuff. And he says, come out of him. So Mark is struggling to say it all in in, in a linear written way. uh, All of these things that are happening at once. And so that's why it sounds a little weird when we read the next part. It says, um, uh, for he was saying to him, for Jesus was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And then Jesus asked him, what is your name? What is your name? Jesus is reaching in to this man's life. See what I'm saying? He's reaching into this man. What is your name? And the, and the response is, we are legion, for we are many. Wow. Now, Jesus has cast out demons before. And in fact, you just have to go back a couple chapters And he's cast out demons. Mary Magdalene was said to have seven demons. Um, This one says we are legion. A legion was a Roman group of soldiers, usually about six thousand, between five and six thousand soldiers. And they, a Roman legion was the best equipped, most well trained army that existed at that time. And a legion was a representation of that amazing training. They'd have interlocking shields that they could, they could put over them so that when the arrows came, that was able to deflect the arrows. They, they would come into a place, and they would just decimate because they were so well-equipped, so ready. And so this, this de- these demons identify themselves with that term, we are legion, for we are many. Man, this poor man. Bad enough to have a demon. There's thousands. And yet he had the will to come and fall at Jesus' feet. Hmm. People tried to bind him. People tried to put him away. People tried to get him out of sight. But people just tried to put up with him, <laughs> this man, because he was a mess. Let's, let's also define a couple other things. He was not mentally ill. Mental illness is a different thing. Sometimes. It's hard to define sometimes. We don't always know. But I can tell you this. This man was not mentally ill. He had a legion of demons. But it wouldn't have mattered to Jesus either way. Because he had come to say something you know, we're in we 're in a series where we 're talking about um, and he said to them to groups of to groups because these aren 't people that he 's speaking to necessarily although in a way he is he calls out, "What is your name in order to to get right at the the center of this and so these demons because you see demons are we, you know, we, we often laugh, you remember some of you guys that are old enough, uh, you don't have to raise your hands. <laughs> remember Flip Wilson that used to say, "The devil made me do it." you know. Uh, I, 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 it would be nice for us to be able to say that the devil makes us sin, wouldn't it? Because then we could blame him. that'd I mean, give him too much power, too much authority, and it's not true. Demons and, and the devil love to make things look good that are bad and things that are, you know, even good things to look even too good or that we want more of it, <laughs> whatever it is. To pervert and to make common and to do all those things. These things are true. But at the end of the day, if we, make, if we sin, then we sin by our choice. And if we do righteous things, we do so by our choice the devil doesn't make us do it but they love to help us see things and so in in this case the uh, the demons want to stay and be able to do those things they don't want to they don't want to be thrown into the pit they don't want to be tormented they don't want to have that judgment come on them now they want to continue to do what they're doing they want to continue to be filled with lust and be filled with hate and be filled with untruths and to continue to make untruth something that might seem true. They love to do that. And so they ask Jesus not to be sent out of the country. And Jesus, um, and, and they suggest, rather, that they, 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 there's 2,000 pigs there. And they say, Send us into the pigs. And it says Jesus gave him permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, a number about 2,000. And the pigs rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. Demons being demons, they still have to destroy stuff. Jesus didn't say, hmm... I wonder what this man did in order to be beset by that many demons. Hmm. I wonder if he deserves to be saved. I wonder what he might do. And you know, what did what was his parents like in order for this to take place? I, what choices did he make that opened the door to let that many demons into this man? I mean, what is his perversion? What is his, what is his evil? What is his... Jesus didn't do that. Certainly the man was filled with evil things and may have done many evil things. That didn't make him necessarily evil. It made him a man that had a problem. And so he gave permission for the demons to leave the man so that the man might be cleansed, so that the man might be made whole, so that the man might just in that alone be a testimony of the power and the glory of the God of the universe that has power and authority over the demons. verse 14 the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country and the people came to see what it was that had happened and they came to Jesus and saw the demon possessed man the one who had had a legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid a demon possessed man that was doing amazingly awful things and had an awful circumstance they were fairly comfortable with that but to have somebody come into their midst that could tell those lead, that legion of demons to go away, that made them afraid. That filled them with fear. And those who had seen it described it to them, what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to, to, to depart from the region. Here's what took place. This is what Jesus did. This is what happened. Here he is. He's in his right mind. He's cleansed. He's, he's got clothes on. He's thinking clearly. He's saying things that we can understand. Jesus, why don't you get out of here? (laughs) We're a little scared of you. We don't know what you are or what you're about, but we just don't want to know. We just want to get rid of you. This is too much for us. (sighs) That almost describes the situation of man, doesn't it? (laughs) We're kind of comfortable in this place. We're kind of comfortable with what's around us. We're kind of comfortable. But when Jesus is in and something unexpected takes place, ugh. wow. <laughs> you ever had somebody explain away a miracle for you? You know, you're saying this person was healed from cancer and they they're they're whole and they're they're cancer free. Oh the doctors must have been pretty good. The medicine. Isn't it amazing what man has come up with with medicine? It was a miracle. Nah, it was man. Have you ever had that happen? That's kind of what's going on here, sort of. You know, they're more comfortable with what they've experienced and seen than they are with something miraculous. And so they ask Jesus to go away. That's one of the saddest things that can ever be said. Something amazing, something wonderful, something beautiful, something powerful has taken place in my presence, and I don't want Jesus here anymore because it scares me. Some have talked about this passage and they said how sad it is for these people of the Decapolis, these people of the Ten Cities, these people on the eastern side of the Jordan who were not Jews but were Gentiles who sent Jesus away. They didn't have the message of Jesus and that they sent him out of their their midst and they, they had the opportunity to have Jesus speak to them and save them, but they sent him away. And they began to beg him to leave the region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done, and everyone marveled. We don't have to go very far further in Scripture for us to see what the outcome of that was. This is in chapter 7. Actually, chapter 6. It says, When they had crossed and come over again to the same side, to the eastern side of the Jordan, they came to land at Gennesaret, another little town in the Decapolis, and moored on the shore. And when they had gotten out of the boat the people immediately recognized him and ran. And they ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in the villages, the cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplace and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it, were made well. Who told him to come? How did they recognize him? How did they know? <laughs> when Jesus leaves a place, he always leaves a messenger, he always leaves one behind that can explain the grace that had been given, the glory that had been shown, the power that had been displayed. When he rose into heaven, he said to his followers, you know, go into the whole world, preach and teach, baptize in my name. And wherever you go, I'll be with you. He also told them, don't be afraid, I'm going to send a comforter, uh, someone to be with you, the Holy Spirit. Whatever you ask in my name, I'll give it. Wherever you go, I'll be with you. And don't worry what you're going to say. I'll give you the words. And we can read in the Gospels of those who went. We can read in Acts of those who did those things that he had commanded them to do. We can read in the history of the church those who went to far places and preached the Gospel of Jesus Christ. But really, if you want to see someone who's been left behind with the message, just look next to you. And behind you and in front of you, each of us have been called to that message. Jesus came that the confusion that we live in between good and evil, the choices that we've been called to make, We can be saved out of the bad ones and brought into the good. That all things will be made clear in him. Remember just the songs that we've sung. In fact, we're going to sing a song now to kind of put this into a place where we can each participate in the message of this goodness that God has called us to. Called us out of darkness into wonderful light. He called us into a place where of purity, that we might be cleansed. Because remember, as bad as this one man was in his circumstance, Christ cleaned him completely. If he could for that one, he can for all of us be encouraged in this as we sing together.